You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Welcome to the ProServe podcast, a podcast for leaders of thriving boutique professional services firms. If you're not familiar with us, Collective 54 is the first mastermind community dedicated on the niche that we define as boutique pro-serve firms and founders of those firms who tend to have very unique needs. My name is Greg Alexander. I'm the founder, and I'm going to be your host. And we got an interesting topic today. Today we're going to talk about how a merger of equals is a potential path to exit. And let me shape this a little bit before we introduce our role model this week. So let's suggest that maybe two firms operating independent of each other are led by founders who want to sell their firms, and they've tried to sell their firms and have been unable to do so. And there's a whole variety of reasons for that. For example, maybe the EBITDA dollar amount isn't large enough, or maybe there's a high client concentration risk, or several other reasons which we'll get into. But if you brought those two firms together, so instead of being two separate firms, they became one firm, these problems go away. For example, all of a sudden, the EBITDA number is big enough. All of a sudden, client concentration issue goes away, because when you bring the two firms' client rosters together, now presto, you have client diversification, and on and on we go. So that's what we're going to kick around today. It's something that I think represents a big opportunity for our community, and it's also something that I don't think has been explored enough. So to help me explore it, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Jonathan Wilson. He's the founder of Dub Value Creation. I've got a chance to get to know him, and let me tell you how best to think about Jonathan. He is a unique combination of the CEO Whisperer, and someone who has great knowledge on M&A transactions because of his journey and his career. So with that, Jonathan, why don't you uh, please introduce yourself to the audience and maybe tell the, the team a little bit about your firm. Thank you for saying that. Uh, thank you for the great introduction, Greg. Um, we are focused, so just so you know, it's Jonathan Wilson here, CEO of Dub Value Creation, also Chief Value Creator. Uh, we are focused on two elements of our of professional services. One is mergers and acquisitions, and the other is strategy and analytics. When it comes to MA, otherwise known as merger and analytics, or merger and merger acquisitions, sorry. Um, when it comes to MA, we are focused on three things. One being uh, full buy-side uh, services. So that's anything from M&A strategy to uh, M&A um, target assessment to due diligence, and then also to uh, integration planning or the first 90 days of integration. We're also focused on full sell-side services. So meaning that a company that wants to engage with the full whole transaction, we will engage with them. And then also we are focused on this program called Grow Before You Sell. And that is where we put together a strategy for you to grow your EBITDA over the course of a two to three year period, 
What that may look like, that could be a capital injection via an investor, that that could be um, a merger of equals, as you mentioned, that also may be buying uh, small, small acquisitions so that you can um, accelerate your growth. But that's really what we focus on from a merchant acquisition perspective. Okay, great. From a strategy, oh, from a strategy analytics perspective, we focus on um, three things simply: um, strategic planning, strategic execution, and strategic governance. Okay. So maybe just briefly explain to the audience all the stops you've had along the way with some of the world's top professional services firms. Yeah, thank you for asking that. So background includes um, Accenture, Bank of America, Deloitte, and Grant Thornton. My first exposure really was with Countrywide Financial which became Bank of America. Okay, got it. I wanted to get that out there because, I mean, your resume is unbelievable, so you're very credible on this topic. All right, Thank so you. so let's dive into it, right? So I'm going to tee up a few things for you. So let's say I'm Joe Blow and I'm running XYZ firm, and I've been doing it for 20 years and I want to sell. I've been trying to sell it. I can't sell it, or I've been getting these low-ball offers with ridiculous terms. And the first thing they hit me with is you got subscale EBITDA. Subscale EBITDA is defined as EBITDA less than $3 million. It's tough to sell a firm when you're subscale EBITDA because it's just riskier for the potential acquirer. And now I find myself presented an opportunity, potentially, of a firm who looks just like me, but maybe is another region. Like maybe I'm in Minnesota and this firm is in Philadelphia, as an example. And in theory, we can slam these two firms together and next thing you know, I go from a non-sellable asset because of subscale EBITDA to an asset that everyone's going to want because my EBITDA dollars are big enough. So is that real in your minds? And what are some of the, maybe the obstacles associated with that that are not obvious? Because on paper, duh, <laughs> that looks like we can go do that, but it can't be that easy. So help us think through that. It's absolutely not easy. And the term merger of equals, you know, that's an interesting term in itself. It really just shows that you're you're willing to collaborate with another organization and together that you're willing to build something that's going to be more powerful than either one of you can achieve alone. So, you know, with that said, you want to focus on some of the benefits around doing that, and especially for a company that um, is in that situation currently today. Founders do get tired. I respect that. And you're ready to move on at certain points, right? Um, There's a few things you want to focus on, one being the synergies. Right. So what can you do together to increase your revenue? And then what can you do together to minimize costs? So some of that might be accessing the new mar- accessing the new markets. If somebody already has a complimentary uh complimentary uh service offering and they are in markets that you are not, that seems like a no-brainer, right? Um, in addition to that, you want to think about that might help also with the increased market share. It might also help out with uh, with with kind of a risk diversification, if, if you will. Keep in mind that if you're concentrated all in one part of the country, there is a little bit of a risk to that too, right? Mm-hmm. Something happens from you know we have we do have something called um, microeconomic challenges, right? So there are challenges that the Northeast might have at a certain point. There are challenges that the Southwest might have at a certain point. So you want to make sure that you are diversified across. The U.S. Yep. The other piece also taking a look at expanded um, your expanded skills and, and, and knowledge base, right? So sometimes complementary skills, or maybe some people you don't have to worry about acquiring that you can actually 
uh, leverage from the complimentary firm. Yep. And those are some of the, those are some of the great things that you could get together. Very good. So let me, I want to follow up question here because you mentioned the word risk and I want to talk about something that often sinks boutiques when they try to sell. And it's the nature of the business. It's not anyone's fault. It's just the way that these things evolve. We tend to have high client and revenue concentration. And that's defined by if your top five clients are, are generating more than, let's say, 30, 40% of your revenue and profits, then the way that an investor looks at that is you're, you're risky because of the client and revenue concentration, meaning one or two clients goes away and the whole P&L falls apart. Now, the great thing about a merger of equals here would be if you have that problem and you merge with another firm that also has that problem, but they're not the same clients, then it goes away. But when I present that to people, Jonathan, what I hear is, well, I own 100% of my firm right now, and if I merge with someone, I'm going to own 50% of my firm, so I don't want to do that. That's dilutive. What would your response be to somebody who would share that with you? Um, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my initial response. But, you know, when you when you really think about it, everybody understands the idea of giving up some or relinquishing some element of control. There's a reason why people became founders to begin with, right? Yep. However, if your ultimate goal is to be sold, you have to think about what you have to give up, yep. right? And yes, you're giving up some of that share, but you're also working together with somebody who has a shared mindset and shared goal. They probably have backgrounds similar to yours, yep. and they probably became founder for the same reason. The other piece is too, is that their clients actually might be clients that you might want to also work with. So you guys can double down together yeah. and, and really grow that client and make them happy in a larger way. And also <laughs> you can actually increase, not only your increasing customer satisfaction, but then that one plus one equals three is a real scenario for the company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, well said, much better than the way I would have said it. What I say to those people tends to be a little too blunt, which is, listen, 100% of zero is zero. So right now you have a non-sellable asset. So you got no way to go. So 50% of something is much better in that scenario. So let's consider it. Now, there's cultural issues here, right? You know, you're all of a sudden, you're this fiercely independent founder. You own 100% of your firm and what you say goes. And now you got partners. So in your experience, when all the years that you've done this with big companies and now your own firm, you know, how, how should two strong-willed independent founders think about working together and, and how might you help them consider that as an alternative? You know, that's so key. And that is not outside of merger of equals. That's really with every single M&A transaction. Mm. When you think about culture, that's behind everything that is going to be coming out of a merger of any kind, right? Because the people are what helps you gain your revenue there are also the people that can sink your ship. <laughs> so um, those are things for you to think about from a culture perspective, you want to lead with having them as part of the due diligence process. So you want to think about what exactly, what are similarities of the cultures? How do you operate? What kind of systems do you use? What kind of processes do you use? Um, is, it, is it a culture of meetings, a culture of ad hoc conversations? That matters. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are serious, it's a credit culture that also matters too. Mm -hmm. um, is one willing to take out more loans than the other? That that also is a big, that can also sink our ship, uh, sink, or, sink or help uh, yeah. partnerships as well. Um, but you want to go through any 
you want to go through it like any other due diligence process and think about culture as a unique work stream and combine that with your HR elements and your communication plan, strong communication plan. Yeah. That's why I would suggest to members who might want to consider this idea to pick up the phone and call Jonathan and consider having him be your facilitator here. And the reason for that is that, you know, sometimes you need a facilitator and just the presence of an independent third party who can facilitate these conversations makes it easier to do. And that's why this unique blend of the CEO whisperer through the lens of M&A transactions would be really helpful. And Jonathan is adhering to his code of conduct, and thank you for that. He doesn't want to make this a sales pitch, but I want to put that out there on his behalf. That's why somebody like him, you know, a consultant that specializes in M&A transactions, is particularly useful in the use case of a merger of equals. One more thing I want to discuss with you, and we'll talk at much greater length on this when we have the Friday role model session and we have an hour as opposed to 15 minutes, yeah. is, is I have a situation with some members who want to sell. They go through diligence, which you just brought up, which made me think about this. Part of diligence is the management meetings. And a potential acquirer says you're a brilliant founder, but you have no depth beyond you. And it's too risky because if I buy your firm and something happens to you, the firm goes poof overnight. So can a merger of equals solve that problem, that problem defined as founder risk? Wow, that's a good question because, um, you know, I hate to do the it depends answer. But it does. But it, but it really does. Um, the idea is that sometimes things revolve around a founder and it wasn't intended that way. It doesn't mean the founder wasn't open to other ways of working. It just became that, the, that their number two left at the wrong time or yeah. something else happened. So um, that doesn't necessarily have to be a, be a game changer or showstopper. Um, but you do have to make sure that that founder is open to other ways of thinking, because if you, if they're not, then that's going to be a hard case for managing others in which case, you know, it's part of, if you become a larger part of a larger organization, it's going to be somebody rejecting his way of working, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Working. Exactly. And, and one of the items that would be discussed during the diligence phase of a merger of equals would be the org chart. And you'd say, okay, here's my org chart and here's your org chart. When we put these things on top of each other, yes, there are redundancies and there's also holes. So, so for example, maybe um, maybe I've got a great firm. And what I'm really great at is my, do my domain and I have outstanding client delivery, but I'm weak on sales. Well, then I would want to merge with a, with a firm who their strength is sales because that's what I'm getting in the transaction. And maybe their weakness is client delivery. So in that scenario, one plus one equals three because there's complementary skills. So you're looking for how you lay these two org charts together and the organization, the team gets strengthened as a result of that. Now that does two things for you. One, it makes you a lot more attractive to potential acquirer, which is what we're talking about today. But number two, in the event that you can't transact after the merger, things happen, economic cycles, et cetera, the firm's gonna be a lot better off because you're gonna have a stronger team and you might be able to scale to, to, to new heights. So with that, we're at our, our time window here, but um, I want to point the audience in a couple of directions. So first, if you're a member and you're listening, please watch out for the invite that you'll get from us to attend Jonathan's role model session. That's a private Q&A, and you'll have an opportunity 
to double click on this idea and most importantly ask Jonathan direct questions about you know how you might consider this and your firm. If you're not a member and you might think you want to be to learn about things like this and others, go to collective54.com. You can fill out a form and one of our reps will get in contact with you. And if you just want to further educate yourself on growing, scaling, and exiting a firm, which would include this topic, but others, I'm going to point you to two books. One's called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. And that's for everybody, members and non-members. If you are a member, there's a book that's only available to you. It's called The Founder Bottleneck, How to Scale Yourself. And a merger of equals is one way to do that. I would encourage you to dive back into that book and really devour its uh, concepts and principles. But listen, the way this works is we're a collective. That name was chosen for a reason. And that requires members like Jonathan to make deposits in the knowledge bank. Because if we all do that, we all get smarter. And that as that knowledge bank grows, you're able to also make withdrawals of that knowledge. So Jonathan, on behalf of the community, you're a fantastic member. We're so lucky to have you. And thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Greg. It's fantastic to be part of your organization. So I really appreciate you. Okay, very good. All right, well with that, uh, I wish everybody the best of luck as they try to grow, scale, and exit their firms. And until next time, we'll talk to you then and go get them. Thank you for having me.